this series called Disney, and uh, this is one of those uh, series, again, I think it's like with any series, you get into it, and you're like, man, we could have added this, 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 and this, and it's, I think it's just the way it is, but uh, we're in this series called Disney, and it's about circling, it's about circling things, uh, you know, in prayer, our marriages, our kids, ourselves, our church, our city, our world, and so as we get into this today, we're going to talk about marriage. Now, when we talk about marriage, first of all, let me just say this. I, I've had these discussions with people, and I'm sure you have had too. People will say, why do I want to read that book that is full of a bunch of sexist men who wrote it? Or, it's, you know, it's, it, it's a bunch of chauvinistic individuals that, that doesn't care about women or, or children and some of these other things. First of all, I would say, and some of you may be thinking that yourself, and I want to say this. Do a little bit more research in history, church history, or the culture, because even though this was written in that culture, this isn't saying that's okay. We do know that, right? This goes against culture, just like it does today. It went against culture then. And so when someone says, well, I don't want to read a book that talks about, you know, it's going to talk about marriages, it's going to talk about husbands and wives and, and how it's, you know, blah, 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 blah. Read the book because this will make it, very, it will clarify it. And so uh, when, when you, when, when, if you engage in that, you know, have that conversation with individuals. Tell them 2,000 years ago when Jesus came to this earth, that's exactly the culture he came into. I would probably, uh, I would probably believe that if Jesus came right now, he would be coming back almost to the same dysfunction. Uh, the same messed up world that we live in. And so uh, when he came to this world, it's an absolute mess in the Jewish home. And by the way, this culture hasn't changed. It's still somewhat like this today in the Jewish culture. In the Jewish culture, the Jewish home, uh, women were regarded as possessions. They were regarded as, uh, rather than partners, they were regarded as you know their personal possessions, literally. Divorce with something, uh, it could be for any indecency. If your wife burnt a toast, you could divorce her. If she put too much salt on something, I'm done, I'm divorcing you. It was very, very, um, uh, what, consequential? Did you say that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm searching for a word there. Does that make sense? Consequential? No. You could divorce for anything. How's that? I mean, literally. And so that was, I mean, when you read the New Testament, that's what you read, some of the questions that they have for Jesus. Hey, you know what? Moses says this, but we, you know, or, or this school of thought says this, but what do you say, Jesus? And so Jesus started to address those things. That's the interesting part. But nevertheless, when he came and he started talking about this, when he walked here on earth and he, uh, and he started to teach about this, that's the culture in which he came into. And, and, and uh, in the Greeks, the Greek home, women were totally secluded. Uh, the fathers were often cruel dictators of their wives and children. Prostitution was uh, looked upon as favorable then uh, to meet the guy's needs. Uh, that's the Greek culture. Women often dated their year. In Rome, it became an epidemic. Divorce became uh, an epidemic. Uh, women often dated their years by the number of husbands and marriages they had been in. It, it's crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. But that's, what, that's the mess that it was in. Jesus came into the world, and he began to teach people what? He began to teach them the truth. He began to look into people and see people's potential. That's, kind of like, that's exactly what we were trying to do with the, the, the Me, I Want to Be series, where we're saying, let's live out of our God-created identity. That's what Jesus was doing. Jesus saw the sin. Jesus saw the dysfunction. He saw where people were broken, but he looked beyond that, and looked into their God-created identity and, and to give worth, right? To give value, 
to say, this is who you think you are, but this is who you are. This is how you were created. This is your God-created identity. And so he brought value and worth into people's lives. We live in a world today, and we look around, and we see that same type of mess within our culture. And the question is, who's going to change it? And hopefully it's us. Jesus came once and provided the teaching. Jesus came once to say, this is how it should be. Now it comes down to who's going to change it in our culture. Hopefully it's people like you and I sitting in here saying, we're going to take this book very serious. We're going to take it literal. We're going to make it a part of our lives. We're going to build our lives upon it. We're going to build our marriages upon it. We're going to build everything upon this book. And we're going to see changes take place within our lives and those around us. And so... Uh, but when we, but when we talk about marriage, you guys, some of you have been to, you've read the books, I've read the books, you've read the books, you've been to seminars, you've been to conferences, and one of the, there's a few passages of scriptures that always come up when it comes to marriage. One of those is Ephesians 5.33, and it says this, So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That's Ephesians 5.33. You've heard it before. If you have a brain, and I'm going to say that I do, my first question is this, if I'm going to have my marriage based upon this, and this is the way I'm supposed to be as a husband, my next question would be, how? Tell me how. That's what I want. If that's what the Word of God tells me that I should be, if the Word of God tells me that as a man, as a husband, as a father, and if we went into some other passage of Scripture in Ephesians, actually, but if we read on and, and kind of studied that, uh, my question is, how can I be that? T- that's, it's telling me to love my wife. What does that mean? I mean, I love my wife. But what does that look like? By the way, let me throw out the ubiquitous disclaimer here and say this. Guys, there are some of you sitting in here this morning where you have built your marriage on this. And you're celebrating. And, and that's awesome, okay? That's, and this message is just for you as it is for anybody else, okay? Some of you are sitting in here this morning and you're struggling with your marriage, okay? This message is for you too. Some of you are sitting in here this morning and, and there's just various things that's going on within your life, whether it be broken marriage or whatever it is, and there's this, all this disappointment and hurt and all these other things. This message is for you too. Some of you are sitting in this morning, even though we're talking about marriage, you're not married yet, this message is definitely for you too, okay? Everybody lean into this message. The Word of God is teaching us something here today that it applies to all of us on this different spectrum, this, different journey, or this journey that we're on, but in different places. Does that make sense? And so when we talk about these things, don't discount them or dismiss them saying, well, I'm not in that position yet. Well, there are truths here that will apply to you, so please lean into this. And so the question becomes for me, how is this done? To respect and to love. What does that look like? Tell me how to do it. I think if we would go back up, this is the last verse of this chapter, chapter 5, verse 33. I think if we would roll back up into the top part of that chapter, we have our answer. And what Paul does, he in, in the beginning of this chapter, he says this, imitate God. Imitate God. Now, I don't know about you, but if I became a person that took this very seriously and literally, and I said that I want to build my life upon this, and I, re- and I read that passage of Scripture, and it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His de- dear children. You are His dear child. Imitate God. That's going to make me ask the question, what is it about God that I could imitate? And so when, I start taking, when you start taking a look at that, I think Paul clearly identifies a few things within this chapter that if we would really take serious and build our relationships on, our marriages on, our future 
relationship marriage is on, we're going to see, some, we're going to see uh, something that's built very solid here. And so he says this, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are, a dear ch- you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So the first thing is this, and I'm going to just share a couple things with you today. But the first thing is this, imitators of God. We, we imitate God, one of those is love. If I, if I asked you to shout out some things about who God is, you know, his attributes, his characteristics, one of them we would say is love, right? Some of us would say uh, he's all-knowing. Some of us would say he's, he's om, uh, omnipresent. He can be anywhere, you know, everywhere at one time. I mean, there's a there's a, there's a hand, you know, he's sovereign. All these other characteristics or attributes of God. There's some that we can take on. Now, some of you may think that you can become all-knowing, but that's not one that you can, okay? You can become about as all-knowing as God as you can become as omnipresent as God too, okay? You, that's one that we can't really tackle. But one of the things that we can is becoming uh, like God, is his love. And that's what Paul's commanding us to. Paul's, Paul's saying, because we are dearly loved. We are one of his children. And that is something, that is the very foundation for love. If I'm going to love the way that God wants me to love, I've got to understand the fact that, that, that um, this is a solid foundation, that it's a secure foundation, that first of all, I am loved by him. Guys, this is one that is not demonstrated to us in the world we live in, right? We live in a conditional environment, which says, I'll love you if you do these things. If you don't do these things, I will pull back my love. It's very conditional, right? God says, and and Paul says this, you know, we love as God loves. God loves unconditional. There is... There is absolute, I know this sounds so simplistic, but I guarantee you this is one of the most profound truths that we struggle with as believers. There is nothing that you can do to earn God's love. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing you can really do to keep his love. It is rooted in him. It is based in him. Now I get the whole concept, well, what if you go out and do whatever you want to do? You know, does God still love you? You know what? Why would you be doing those things to begin with if you understood that God truly loved you? You're loved by God. Why would you want to go and do things that God would hate if you truly understand that God loves you and you've accepted that incredible unconditional love? Paul is saying, when you embrace that type of love, build your foundation on that type of love. That is the love that you need to have in your marriage, your relationships. And guys, this is where the energy comes when people, when spouses and people need to be loved and you really don't want to love them or your kids, or whatever it may, whoever it may be. It's where the energy comes from to love other people. If you want to have love in your marriage the way God wants you to love, or love your kids the way God wants you to, to, to love, or your fellow believers, or the world, you've got to understand that this is the very foundation that you have to build your love on no matter what. And like I said, a lot of times we base it upon that conditional love which is not God's love. God's love is unconditional. We need to live a life of, God, of love committing to that. Which means, as I just shared, let me just say this. In plainer terms, if you are a receiver of God's love, you have to be a distributor of his love. Does that make sense? How can you receive his forgiveness? How can you receive his mercy, his grace, his love, and then withhold it from other individuals? It doesn't work that way. You, in fact, Jesus taught that. Check it out in the New Testament. Jesus teaches upon that. And so the first one is this, is um, understanding that we are a child of God and that we are dearly loved. 
that, and imitating God out of that love. The second one is this, sacrifice. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. Philippians 2, Paul eloquently articulates what Jesus did in that whole moment of taking his God-likeness, taking some of his God attributes that he couldn't bring to earth where he had to, as he stepped into this earth and took on God or took on human flesh, he couldn't bring all of his rights and all of his Godness with him because he stepped into a, di- a completely different world that was governed by different laws and things like that meaning physical laws, you know, like gravity, stuff like that. Meaning that when Jesus came and took on the, the human form, he couldn't be omnipresent any longer. He, had, he was only in one place at one time. But he took all of those things and out of this God-like love where he, he looked at God's creation and God was saying, I want you to become the sacrifice. I want these, my creation that now they are my enemies. I want you to make things right again. I want you to become the ultimate sacrifice. And Jesus said, I will do that. I will sacrifice my life for them, even though I haven't done anything wrong. This is, this is Christianity 101, right? And he, and he, but he literally took our needs and set his aside and put our needs ahead of his. That's incredible sacrificial love. That's the type of love I believe Paul is saying we need to have within our marriages where we're saying, this is about my spouse. This is, a, these, this is about my kids. This is about someone else, not just me. The third thing is this, becoming holy. Verse 3 says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. If we want to have, if marriages are going to be built solid, they've got to be built on His love, they've got to be built on sacrifice, they've got to be built on holiness where we're saying, you know what, I'm going to make sure that what comes through my mind, what comes through, I'm going to guard myself. I'm going to become, I'm taking on the, that godness, and I'm going to become very, very cautious about uh, the things that I do, the things I participate in, the things I look at, the things I watch, the things that I say, which leads us into the next one, which would be uh, the, the, the verse 4, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. They're not for you. And I think what that one really indicates uh, is, is, is it, it can bring value to people. If you're, in a lo- if you're in a marriage relationship or just other relationships, one of the ways that we can just completely tear it apart is by our words or our joking, Right? Our little innuendos, our little puns and, and, and little snippets and our darts that we fire at each other at times. And Paul's saying that's not, that's not part of God's people. That's not how God's people should function. Imitate God. Imitate God's love. Imitate God's sacrifice. Imitate God in the sense of holiness where you're living lives of purity. Imitate God by looking into people and seeing the value of people and watching how you joke with people. Or uh, And it's not so much joking with people. It's, 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 it's the word that we choose to use, the foolish talk at times that can just rip someone apart. And so these are the things that I believe that, would you agree with me? Would you agree with me that if someone said, I'm building my marriage upon that, I'm building my life upon that, that I'm going to love my life, my wife with unconditional love, I am going to sacrifice for her, my husband or my spouse, how's that? I'm going to, do, I'm going to love my spouse, I'm going to uh, sacrifice for my spouse, I'm going to become whole, I'm going to watch what comes into me, I'm going to take this serious and become an imitator of God, I'm going to bring value to her by, by the way, I, by being careful about the way I talk and just edifying her and lifting her up by my words. I think if we would become individuals that were concerned about imitating God, our marriages would be rock solid, would they not? Here's the problem. 
we've opened up doors. That's the problem. The problem is, we don't take this serious. Does that make sense? The problem is, we don't take this literal enough. The problem is, we will go outside the boundaries of what God says. God says, this is how I want you to live your life as a child of mine that's dearly loved by me. This is how I want you to live your life. Because if you would take this serious, and you would live your life based upon these principles, by the way, it's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7, where he lays out the Sermon on the Mount, and at the end of it he says what? If you build your life upon this, your life is going to be like an individual that built his life upon a rock. And then he used the other analogy, of, or uh, the, through that whole thing, he talks about the guy that built his life upon the sand. Remember that? If you've been in church for a while, there was that little song that we sang as we grew up. and that kind of, You know what I'm talking about? But Jesus was saying that. Jesus was saying, blessed are the ones that hear the words that I'm giving you today, because if you take those words and you take the principles that I'm teaching you right here today, he said, if you apply those, your life is going to be a life where you're going to experience blessings. And I think part of that is that we experience blessings out of obedience. But I think part of it is we experience blessings because that's the way life should work. Does that make sense? When we go outside of what the Word of God teaches, we put ourselves in harm's way. What happens is we open up doors. Does that make sense? We open up doors. Listen to what Paul says. Listen to what Paul says in uh, chapter 6. Uh, and this is, where, this is where I think these all flow together because we have the respect and love in the last verse of, of chapter 5. And then at the top of that, I think really indicates in chapter 5, being imitators of God. But what happens when we don't put on the armor of God in chapter 6? What happens when we roll into chapter 6 of Ephesians and we don't take this serious enough where Paul says this, in a final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood and enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. Guys, you do understand, even as a child of God, that the enemy wants to rip you apart. And the way he's going to rip you apart, he's going to come in and he's going to rip your marriage apart. He's going to rip the relationship that you have with your spouse apart. He's going to rip the relationship that you have with your kids apart. He's going to rip, he's going to create all of this destruction. And if we don't stand, if we don't put on the full armor of God, which means we take this word and we build our life upon this word, what we do is we open up doors for the enemy to literally come in. And guys, I can't say this clearly enough. If you choose to step out of the Word of God and you choose to do what this book says do not do, you might as well take like what we've done here and literally take the doors off the hinges and just say, come on in. Come on in. That's what we're doing. That's what you've done. And I want to tell you, if you come to me for counseling and you say, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to fix this. And you look at me and you say, you're not willing to take this serious. I'm going to look at you and say, I don't know what to tell you to do. I don't know what to tell you to do. Literally. That's how much I believe that the word of, that's how much I believe in the word of God. Now that doesn't mean you're beyond hope. 
But if you take this and you build your life upon it, and even if you make mistakes, I get that we're human. I get that there's times where we step out of this and we have to, I get that. And I get that it's all about spiritual maturity. But I want to tell you something. If we live our lives on the outside of this, we are going to reap major destruction within, within our lives, period. It's opening the doors for the enemy. Peter says this in his letter. He says the enemy, Satan, is roaming around like a lion that's, that's just looking for things to devour, looking for you to devour. I read that passage to you, I think, when we set this whole series up back in Genesis, where the whole Cain and Abel sacrifice thing, and God comes and he says, Why are you so upset? And then he warns him and he says this Sin is crouching at your door, waiting to come in. Guys, it's time to close the doors. Some of us are reaping negative implications because we've opened the door in years past, and it's time to go. I'm telling you, this is how you fix it. It's time for us to confess before God and to say, God, I stepped outside of your boundaries, and I'm coming to you today. I'm confessing that, and I'm asking you for forgiveness. And I'm asking you to give me the ability to move on, which I believe the hope is that he will forgive you and you will move on. But that's the only way I can tell you to shut the door. And when you let the enemy in your camp, he is going to wreak havoc and destruction in your life. Period. Those of you that are not married yet, when we talk about marriage, I would suggest highly that you keep the door closed and pray to God to give you the the mate that he has designed for you. Does that make sense? This book tells us how to choose our mates. And I can't tell you enough, I have been in so many situations where people stepped out and they're coming and they're saying, I don't know what to do now. This is real stuff. If you want to have a life to the fullest, you have got to live your life based upon this book, taking it literally. Here in a few moments, we're going to, we're going to close. We're going to give you another opportunity to, um, to pray. But before I say that, I want to say that as we, as we have opened the doors, this is what happens, guys. And this is classic. This is classic enemy. We know his schemes. We know exactly how he's going to work. He's going to come in. And he's going to start deceiving. He's going to say, oh, okay, are you telling me that you, really, that, that you really shouldn't marry an unbeliever? Do you think God, would re- do you think God really means that? Isn't that a a thing of the past? Don't you think you can save that person? Are you telling me that you should love your spouse even though they did this? I mean, seriously. You've got every right to do this or that. Are you telling me that you should really put that other person... I mean, look at them. Look at the way they act. Look at the way they talk. You should really sacrifice for that person? That's what happens when we leave a door cracked or open. The enemy comes into our camps, and he starts the mind game with us. And the next thing you know, we start bending. We start compromising. And we start building our life Upon a foundation that is not solid. Some of you are sitting in here this morning and you've built your life on a solid foundation and you're celebrating that. But you also know too 
that this is real stuff. And I'm sure you would agree with me and say that there's not a day that goes by that you don't spend making sure the door's closed. Because the enemy will tear your marriage apart too. And that's so what he wants. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you've got some hurt, you've got some baggage. Guys, there is hope for you. I believe that this is a book filled with hope that says, yeah, we made some mistakes, but God can... God can lead me back to health again. God can bring wholeness. But it's going to take surrender. It's going to take humility. It's going to take humbleness that says, God, you know what? I, I, I've made some mistakes here, but I'm coming to you right now. And I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming in humbleness and surrender. And I'm asking that you, that you give me the power for this walk. Guys, here in a few moments... I'm going to ask you and invite you to come forward. You may already have salvation. If you don't, that's your first step is to ask Christ into your life and surrender your heart to Him. But maybe this is the day, and I'm asking you, and I'm encouraging you, I'm encouraging every single one of you, if you're married in here this morning, I'm asking that you come up, that you run up here hand in hand with your spouse, and you kneel down together, and you begin to pray together, and you say, God, we're going to circle our marriage, and we want our marriage built upon what God says, what it needs to be built upon. Maybe you're in here this morning, and it's just you. Come up here and pray, and circle your marriage, and circle your spouse, and circle what, how God should lead you to, to handle certain things, to give you wisdom. Maybe you're sitting this morning and, and you, you've been through the brokenness and all that stuff with, 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 with a marriage and you have a, a broken marriage or whatever. There's still, there is hope where you can come and you can just give that to God and allow God to comfort you and to begin to heal you and to eradicate those, that like bitterness or hurt or baggage or whatever it may be. I don't know. All I'm saying is this. We want to give you this opportunity right now to come and to begin to circle your marriage, your relationships, your future marriage. And here's the other thing. Just like we prayed, circle other people. If you would look around, I don't know and you don't know, but there are people sitting in here this morning, we don't know where they are on their journey, and they could be sitting in here feeling absolute hopelessness. And we know that's not what God has for them. We know that God has power for them. That God has healing and restoration and, and, and to be made whole again. It's time for the church to do what we've been called to do. And that's to pray for one another. And to pray for ourselves. And to have the faith that God will bring healing and help to those who need it right now. So, I'm going to ask you guys to come. And I, would, I want, again, encourage every single one of you to come. To come. Let's kneel down. Let's pray. Let's circle our marriages. Let's pray for others that's within our body. Would you do that as we begin to open this time up for prayer? There's going to be some passages of Scripture uh, on the, ver- on the uh, slides if you want to use that. But it's just to direct you. It's not, that's not what you have to pray. But I would just invite you guys to come now. Come hand in hand, do whatever. Get in the posture that God is asking you to be in. And let's just begin to circle our marriages and our relationships in prayer. Father, you see 
you see your children here this morning. Coming before you, coming into your presence. Some seeking forgiveness. Some crying out, confessing. Some celebrating where they have found strength and hope. And God, you know our journeys, you know where as you look at us, as you look at your children here, you see the brokenness, you see where we need your, your presence, your, a touch from you in a very, very real, intimate way right now. God, I, I, I lift up every single one of us in here this morning. I lift, I lift us up to you, asking, God, that you would meet our needs. God, that you would provide hope where hope is needed. You would provide wisdom where wisdom is needed. That you would provide strength. You would provide a, 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 a sense of power. God, that we would tap into the power that you've placed inside of us, that, that, uh, that we know that is there, the, the power that you, you use to raise Jesus from the dead. That is the power that you've given us to, to live this life. God, we need reminded of that. We need reminded that we are your dearly loved children. And that even though we've messed up, even though we've stepped out of way, that even though we may be struggling right now, God, that you still love us and that you unconditionally wrap your arms around us wanting to Wanting to so provide that, that love to us. God, help us to accept that. God, for those that are broken, please give us a sense of your hope right now. Give us a sense of peace. Give us something to grab a hold of. Let us become vulnerable and fall back into your arms and just receive what you want to what you want to give us here this morning. God, for those that have kept the doors closed, I pray that you would continue to keep them on that, on that journey. God, we celebrate with them. But God, we just circle every single person in here. We circle their marriage relationships. We circle everything about them. We circle their future marriage. We circle where they've been. God, we circle and we, we claim the promises that if God, that God, we claim the promises of you. And so this morning, God, as we leave here, I pray that we would continue to just allow you to uh, minister to us. God, giving us, again, the gifts and blessings that you so want to give us. Thank you so much for meeting us here today. For not allowing Satan to distract us. For not allowing Satan to have any freedom whatsoever into your presence. But God, that we encountered you. We give you thanks and glory for that. And we pray all this in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who makes all of this possible, His sacrifice, His blood. It's in His name that we pray and ask all these things. Amen.